Let me invite you to open up the Bible with me this morning to the second book, the book of Exodus, as we continue our journey in this portion of the Bible. We're in Exodus chapter 33 today, and once again we're reading about a God who is gracious, a God who is a rescuing God, a redeeming God, a God who comes to the aid of His people, a God who invites the people into relationship with him, And so we pick up the story today in chapter 33, but just a bit of context before we read that text to remember the story. God has heard the cries of his people, his enslaved people, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he has come to the rescue. He has sent Moses, his messenger, to be their leader, and he has delivered them uh, with his mighty hand out of slavery in Egypt, and he has brought them into the desert of Sinai. To enter into a relationship with them. And he has been giving the terms of that relationship. He's given them the Ten Commandments and a number of instructions, commandments that follow those. And he has given them instructions for what it's going to look like for him to dwell among them in the tabernacle. What that relationship is going to look like and can look like. And as he is giving those instructions specifically to Moses to give to the people, the people down below the mountain forget about God and Moses wondering what's taking them so long. And they fashion an idol and begin to worship that golden calf. And so God has said to Moses, I'm not going to be going with you to the promised land after all. And so Moses is now interceding on behalf of the people. And as we saw last week, God invites his people to be in relationship with him. They're grieved, they're mourned, they begin to repent, and they begin to wait to see what will happen next. And so this morning we look at what happens next. Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 12. Let me invite you, as is our practice here, to join me standing Uh, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Verse 15, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Verse 18, then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. 
Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. And we give thanks this morning to God for the reading of his word. Father, guide us now by the presence, power of your spirit and rightly understanding your word and rightly understanding you. Lord, that we might know and live for you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, this past Tuesday evening, I remember putting uh, my phone and my wallet next to the bed and wondering to myself, uh, where, where are my keys? Ever had that experience? Maybe a few of you, but feeling tired and unconcerned. I dozed off to sleep thinking they they must be laying around here somewhere. Perhaps they're even in the seat of the truck waiting on my departure the next morning. Well, in the truck they were, just not in the seat. In the ignition, meaning the battery was dead, totally dead. Mama Ashley's already left the house by this point in route to one school, and it's my responsibility to make the drop at the other school. Time's a ticking, and I need my truck to go with me to get to school. And so in a moment of desperation, I considered taking out my harness from my bodybuilding days and, you know, strapping it up to the truck and just pulling it with me to school. You don't like they do in the World's Strongest Man competition, but I suddenly realized that probably wasn't the best idea, and so I began to call a couple neighbors to see who was up and who would be eager to help. Before long, the truck's purring like a kitten, and we're off to school. I mean, we could have walked to school, right? And we would have got there by lunch. And I know a few of, a few of you gray-haired folks have stories, and we love these stories, Right? about walking through the snow and up the hills for miles to school. We love hearing these stories. We believe every word of these stories. But let's be honest this morning, if we've got to walk to school in 2021 in Birmingham, Alabama, it ain't worth going. And in 1446 B.C. in the desert of Sinai, Moses says to the Lord, God, if you don't go with us to the promised land, it ain't worth going. See, just as my Tacoma refused to go with me because I had neglected it for a night, so the Lord declares his refusal to go with and to live among a people who neglect him. Depraved and distracted, the Israelites begin to worship an idol in the absence of their God. Go on, God says, but I'll not be going with you. And so they grieve. And they mourn. The people repent, turning back to their God. And Moses, their leader, goes outside the camp to meet with God. You can imagine all the people standing on edge, waiting at the entrance of their own tents, worshiping and wondering what is being said inside of that tent. These are high-level negotiations as Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. And our text for this morning that we just read sort of peels back the curtain and allows us to hear what was said in the tent. What was said? 
What does it mean? What does it mean for for us, church? Moses' prayers in the tent vividly remind us that we need God to go with us and teach us His ways. We need the Lord. We need God to go with us and to teach us His ways. I mean, the picture we have here is one of intimacy between God and Moses. By no means a perfect man, but now a man in rich relationship with the Lord. I mean, Meadowbrook, we, we've come a long way with this Moses guy, right? I remember his response when God appears to him in the burning bush? Um, God, you've got the wrong guy, not me. Why, why don't you just go find somebody else? to lead the people out of Egypt, and we'll just forget this whole burning bush thing ever happened, okay? God says, no, you're my guy. But I'm going with you. And old Moses is in deep now, leading well over one million people out of slavery into the desert and toward the great promised land. He knows he can't do it alone, nor does he want to. He wants the Lord... To go with him, and so he begs God to stay with him. Right? He, he expresses the kind of deep dependence upon the Lord that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And church, apart from the presence and power of our Lord, our plans, good as they may be, are futile. To serve God effectively, to serve the Lord effectively, we need Jesus to lead us. So friend, invite Jesus to lead you. Invite him to lead you. Ask King Jesus to lead you, to go with you, to guide you in everything. In everything. Whatever you're doing, don't do it alone. Wherever you would like to go, don't even consider going it alone. Wherever you serve, don't serve on your own. Not in your own strength and certainly not for your own glory. As we go, wherever we go, whatever the Lord calls us to, be it missions, evangelism, music, Parenting, let's pray the way Moses prayed. For what we do will only be successful if he's with us. Moses had learned this. And so he asked God to keep on leading. And God hears his prayers. Right? Verse 14, the Lord replies, my presence will go with you, Moses. I'll go with you. And I'll give you rest. Literally, my face will go with you. An image of God's nearness as he promises to remain with Moses throughout the journey. It's as if God says, I hear you, I love you, Moses, I'm going with you. That's not uncommon in the Jones household for the kids to get a little short with each other. They get along great. They're, they're most of the time, right? And, and here's the challenge I've seen. One of the challenges maybe with three kids is that uh, it's not uncommon for 
both of the older kids to be vying for the youngest kid to to give them primary attention, to play with them what they want to play. And so we had a moment just the other day this week where I heard one of the older kids say about my three-year-old Eli, uh, Daddy, uh, Eli said he doesn't love me. I mean, just uh, nearly a meltdown here. Eli said he doesn't love me. To which the three-year-old pipes up, No, I love you a little bit. Right? A lot of times we act like we love one another a little bit. That's, that's not what God is saying here to Moses. Moses, God is saying to Moses, Moses, I love you. I am committed to you. I know you. You have found favor with me. I know you by name, which means I know you. I know all about you. Beautiful words from a gracious God. But as great as it is for Moses to know that God will go with him, it's not enough for the Lord to only be with him. His people need him. And so Moses says to God, if you won't go with us, don't send us. He says, God, if you're going to stay here in the desert, then let us stay here with you. Church, a reminder that better to stay in the desert with God than to go into the oasis without him. Moses says, we we want to be where you are, Lord, wherever you go. That's where we want to be. Do you believe that? If you know the goodness and mercy of God, how could we not believe that? Said another way, better live in the slums of a third world country with God than in the suburbs of America without him. We want to be with the Lord. We need to be with the Lord. God made us to be in relationship with Him, and so we want to be with Him. More than anything, Moses now wants to be with Him. The people now want to be with Him. You see, those who have tasted God's goodness and grace want to be with Him. Yes, for their own good, but even more so for God's glory. And Moses, the leader of the Israelites, has begun to understand this. He's begun to realize this, that God's purpose in the Exodus was to set apart a people, to make a people to be distinct from all the other nations around them who would be his people, through whom all other peoples might come to know him. And Moses rightly asks, he says, God, God, how is this going to happen if you're not with us? What's going to set us apart? One author reflects on that. He says, what was it that distinguished the Israelites from the nation's As the people of God. It was not their land because they didn't have any yet. It wasn't their wealth because the surrounding peoples had far more treasure. It was not their culture because they'd been living in slavery. It was not their righteousness because they could not keep the most basic commandments. The only thing the Israelites had going for them was their relationship with God. Oh God, go with us, Moses prayed. In verse 17, the Lord said, I'll do it. Moses, I'll do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. God says, I am pleased with you and I know you, Moses, singular. I'll be honest this morning, there's, there's some mystery here that I don't fully understand because God has made promises and his people have repented, both factors contributing to God's decision to go with the Israelites. But here we're told that God will go with them because he's pleased with their mediator. Because he's pleased with Moses. 
And so here is Moses standing in the gap between a sinful people and the holy God. And God hears his prayers. In the moment, Moses is the mediator with whom God is pleased. And fellow sinners, did you know that Israel's need for a mediator foreshadows our need for a mediator? We, too, need a mediator with whom God will be pleased. Every one of us. We need a mediator with whom God will be pleased. What God said here is meant to teach us now that God saves sinners on the merits of their mediator. In other words, salvation, meaning being in right relationship with God, being reconciled to God, being forgiven of our sins, does not happen based upon any works of our own doing, any merit of our own accord, but upon the position of another who stands in our place. You see, like the idolatrous Israelites, we too are sinners. We need someone to stand in the gap for us. We need someone who will plead our case before the Almighty, someone whom God will most definitely hear and on whom He will show favor. We need a mediator who will intercede for us, one with whom God Almighty will be pleased. Church, where can we find such a mediator? Where can we find one who is like Moses, but even greater than Moses, one with whom God will be pleased? Friends, let's look no further than the one in whose name we gather today. The one about whom the Father said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And you might say, well, yeah, of course, that's Jesus, but not me. How could God ever be pleased with someone like me? I'm too far gone. I've done too much. I've not done enough. Friend, the answer is that God is pleased with Jesus, and as a result, he's pleased with all who put their trust in this Jesus. This is good news. You see, the pleasure that God takes in us isn't based on our merits. It's not based on our good works or our prayers or our religious efforts or practices, but squarely upon Christ's merits. Therefore, if you want to be pleased, if you want God to be pleased with you, then put your trust in the one with whom God is pleased. Look to Jesus to mediate for you. And you can look to Jesus, perfect mediator. To mediate for you. Jesus is the mediator. The one who, like Moses, says to the Father, If you're pleased with me, then save my people. Father, if you're pleased with me, save these people. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Christ, Jesus. Do you know the mediator with whom God is pleased? Church, he's God's gift. He's God's gift to you and to me. He is the righteous one. He's the one who has been sent to save us. For God wants us, like Moses, to find joy and delight and satisfaction in knowing Him. Brothers and sisters, we get a glorious God who satisfies our desires for Him. A God who satisfies our desires to know Him, to be in relationship with Him. To walk according to his will and his ways. The Lord hears Moses' prayers and looks on him with favor. God's going to stay with them and he's going to go with his people. What more could Moses want? 
What more could he ask for? What more could we ask for? Well, Moses tells us what he wants. He wants God. Do you want God? He wants God. He wants more of God. Okay, God, this is good. Thank you. Now show me your glory. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you as you are. God, give me more of you. That's what Moses is saying here. And God responds by declaring he will satisfy this desire. He's going to satisfy Moses' desire for more of him. But he says to Moses, you can't see me. For no one can see me because you can't handle all of me. Not right now. You see, he's too glorious. He's too holy. He's too splendid. He's too absolute in his perfection for any finite fallen creature. He's an all-consuming fire, too much for Moses or any other here on earth to bear. But even so, he satisfies the desires of those who long for him. And so he says to Moses, he says, I'll give you a taste. I'll show you my goodness, my mercy, my compassion, protecting you from me, yet showing you the after effects of me. In other words, God says, Moses, you want to know me and I want you to know me. So I'm going to give you as much of me as you can handle. Reminds me a little bit of the sun. That superstar that's some 93 million miles from earth. 9,939 degrees Fahrenheit at its surface. That feels so good to the skin on a cool day from afar. It provides warmth and light and beauty. Something absolutely necessary for for our survival. And yet it's far too bright. For us to gaze upon or to venture near. And yet, the sun, S-O-N, of God Almighty has come near. The fullness of the one whom Moses could not see in bodily form lest he would die. The one who not only came to be our mediator, but to be our God and our King. Jesus is his name, and he came so we could see God. Remember when Philip, the disciple, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. In other words, like Moses, Philip wants to see God. He's tasted the goodness of the Lord, and he wants more. Jesus responds to him. Jesus answers in John 14, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so Jesus says, to know me is to know God. He's the Word made flesh and the radiance of God's glory, the one through whom God satisfies our desires for Him. So let's look to Jesus and see the heart of God. Friend, look to Jesus. To the life, the person, the ministry, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the, the reigning of Jesus. Look to Jesus and see the very heart of God. For in Jesus we see the very character of God. His compassion, His mercy, His righteousness, His justice. To know Jesus is to know God. To love Jesus is to love God. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Church, he came. Jesus came so we might know God.
Paul says it this way, For God made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of His glory. In other words, He, he shone His light so that we might see and know the truth displayed in the face of Christ. God's glory made known in the face of Christ. Friend, the place to see God's glory is in the face, meaning the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ? God has made himself known in Christ. And he wants to satisfy our deepest desires to know him. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us? I think in part it means this. If you want to be satisfied, here. Meaning not necessarily without suffering, not without hardship, not without sin, not without grief. If, if you want to be satisfied, get to know Jesus. Walk with Jesus and invite Jesus to walk with you. For in Jesus, we get to know God. Would you bow with me? And Lord, we want to know you. And Father, we thank you for making yourself known through your Son. Lord, through the Word made flesh, the fullness of God in human flesh, the radiance of your glory, the exact representation of your being. Father, this is mysterious to us, fully God and fully man. Father, we also know and believe that according to your word, that one day we will see you. We will see you face to face. Lord, that we will understand you. Lord, that we'll see you in a way that we only see you in part now. And Father, help us long for the day. Help us want that day. Give us a hunger and a thirst, a desire to know you more. Father, to walk with you. And so, Lord, even now we invite you to lead us. Father, we invite Jesus to lead us. Personally, individually, collectively, as a local fellowship of believers. Lord, we don't want to be anywhere without you. Father, we don't want to attempt anything without you. Father, we don't want to run ahead of you. We want to follow after you. So, Lord, lead us in all things. Lord, lead us even now to know what it means for each of us to respond to you. Lord, captivate us, capture us, lead us, be glorified in us. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.